So ready to continue on our voyage through Canto 11, chapter number 22, Elements of Material Creation. Today we are up to, we're starting with text 30. Uh, Lord Krishna's continuing his answer to a question by Uddhava, and that, that began at text 26, where Uddhava asked, although nature and the living entity, and we discussed this before, Purusha and Prakriti, uh, so although Purusha and Prakriti are constitutionally distinct, O Lord Krishna, there appears to be no difference between them because they are found residing with one another. Thus the soul, or the super-soul, appears to be within nature and nature within the soul, or super-soul. O Lotus-eyed Krishna, O omniscient Lord, kindly cut this great doubt out of my heart with your own words, which exhibit your great skill in reasoning. From you alone, the knowledge of the living beings arise, and by your potency, that knowledge is stolen away. Indeed, no one but you can understand the real nature of your illusory potency. But that almost has the answer to the question in it, in a way. So, anyway. So that's his, his, uh, his great, uh, what's called here, a doubt. How do you, why does there appear to be no difference? How can you distinguish them? So text 29, the Supreme Personality of Godhead said, O best among men, material nature and its enjoyer are clearly distinct. This manifest creation undergoes constant transformation being founded upon the agitation of the modes. So that's his beginning to the answer. Now we continue with text number 30 uh, on, uh, in this uh, yeah, so we read 30. So he begins by describing the modes actually or, or material nature. He fo- uh, focuses on property. Uh, and I, I mentioned with text 29, the BVT purport, which had been translating uh, Purusha as Atma or Jivatma, now switches to Purusha. And really, it's both. It's multiple meanings. Polysemy, it's called as a technical term. Polysemy, meaning multiple. Greek word meaning multiple senses to a text, so this is polysemous as is its characteristic. Well, it's not really a confusion, it's just... So now, uh, with text 30, there's a change of meter. It has been in uh, shloka meter, or anushtub, and now it goes to trishtub. So, like this, mamang... Uh, Mamangamaya gunamaya nekada vikalpa bhutis chagunayar vidatte vaikarikasti vidotiat mamekam 
Our material energy comprising the three modes and acting throughout them, acting, excuse me, acting through them, manifests the varieties of creation along with varieties of consciousness for perceiving them. The manifest result of materialistic transformation is understood in three aspects, adhyatmic, adhidaivic, and adhipaltic. We're going to spend some time on these three terms. Uh, uh, but first, uh, Banu Swami translates this a little... Uh, he yeah, uses the Sanskrit, O Uddhava, my prakriti made of the gunas produces many differences and perceptions of differences by the gunas. Uh, so that same thing, differences and perceptions of differences. Varieties of creation along with varieties of consciousness for perceiving them. Although Prakriti takes many forms, basically it has three. Adhyatma, Adhidaiva, and Adhibhuta. So neither one really translates these, uh, these terms. We're going to spend some time in those terms because as I mentioned before, they show up in the Bhagavad Gita. They're covered quite extensively in the second canto, and uh, they're important. Uh, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti simply says... uh, so uh, Prakriti has many forms. They're basically reduced to three. Adhyatma, Adhibhuta, Adhidaiva, says. In BBT, they remark the word Vikalpa Buddhihi indicates that consciousness, the Buddhi here, consciousness, within various material bodies reveals different aspects of the Lord's creation. And then they discuss birds experience it one way, fish another way, and so on. Trees, and so forth. Uh, all types of material consciousness, plant, human, animal, whatever, are transformations of the three modes of material nature, the expansions of the Lord's illusory energy. So you have these three terms with this prefix adhi, A-D-H-I, adhi, not adhi, but adhi. And the sense of adhi uh, as a prefix is expresses something being above or over and above or besides. So you get these terms, Adhyatma, uh, Adhi, and Atma. Uh, cons- you c- it can be either designate Atma, or the Supreme Atma. Adi would might, might have the sense of being supreme. Or uh, as an adjective, you could just say belonging to the self, pertaining to the self, or uh, just concerning the self or the individual personality. 
and then uh, Adidaiva from Deva. Uh, and Adidaiva is a presiding or tutelary deity. A tutelary deity is one that protects or is a guardian of a certain place called tutelary. Uh, so they, the, the, the dictionary says a presiding deity, the supreme deity, or the divine agent operating in material objects. Or Adidaiva could just be the subject matter of the deity or divine agents. When it's used uh, uh, like that. So you have the basic word Atma, Daiva, and Bhuta. So Adhi Bhuta. Uh, it could also just indicate material objects, the topic of material objects, if you're talking about writings. Uh, and the dictionary says the spiritual or fine substratum of material or gross objects. Substratum means what lies below them. Adi has a sense of that. And uh, some places it means the all-penetrating influence of the Supreme Spirit. That's the Adi part of it for nature. So, now, these three terms are mentioned by Krishna at the end of chapter 7 of the Bhagavad Gita. And he mentions them saying that those who are advanced in spiritual knowledge know these things and a few other things. And then Arjuna asks what they mean. And so you can see they're kind of well-known terms so here in the Bhagavad Gita, at the end of uh, uh, 7.29, uh, uh, Krishna says, 7.29, intelligent persons who are endeavoring for liberation from old age and death, jara marana mokshaya, uh, take refuge in me in devotional service, mam asritya, Yatante uh, te. Uh, and they, then he says, Te Brahma, Te Tadzidu Kritsnam, Adhyatma Karma Chakilam. He says, They, Prabhupada uh, uh, translates like this They are actually Brahman because they entirely know everything about transcendental activities. Now, uh, if you look directly at the Sanskrit, they entirely know Brahman. And they know everything about Adhyatma. And they know, know everything, they know Karma. They're separate things. Now, Prabhupada translates it in a certain way because he wants to make a, a point about spiritual activities. But when Krishna, so here Prabhupada takes his adhyatma karma, he translates that it as transcendental activities. They know everything about transcendental activities, which is like a purport in, in a way. Uh, but, but then when Krishna answers his question, he, he says, he, he defines what is Brahman, what is adhyatma, what is karma. You define each of them separately. And then Krishna goes, uh, excuse me, uh, text 30, Arjuna goes on to ask, 
Excuse me, Krishna is speaking this. I'm talking about Arjuna. Krishna speaks this to him at the end of the chapter. People, people about first people who have acted piously in their previous lives, then this is what they know. They take refuge in me in devotional service. And, they, and these are the things that they know. Brahman, uh, Adhyatman, Karma. Uh, they know Adibhuta, along with Sa Adibhuta, along with Adibhuta, uh, the governing principle of the material manifestations. That's the that's actually the dex, different dictionary definition, Adibhuta, Adidaiva, and the uh, the demigods, or the, you know, the kind of the governing principle or the governing governance of the demigods. Uh, uh, and then he, another thing he says, Adiyajna, the governing principle of the of sacrifices of all methods of sacrifice. Knowing this, and then also they know me at the time of death. That's what Krishna says at the end of the chapter. So then, excuse me, Arjuna asks, uh, in the beginning of chapter 8, it begins with the question, what is Brahman? Uh, what is Brahman? What is Adhyatma? Translation, what is the self? But it's actually Adhyatma. Uh, what is Adhyatma? Uh, and the Adi here just adds kind of the principle of the self, or the, or the, the underlying nature of the self, or something like that. What is karma? See, it's the second distinct thing. What is karma? Uh, what is Adibhuta? And what is Adidaivam? So the, in, in the first text, Adhyatma, Adibhutam, and Adidaivam are uh, asked about. And then he goes on, uh, what is the uh, Adiyajna, the Lord of Sacrifice, and then how do we you be known at the time of death? And just all those things that Krishna mentions, he had now asked about, and then Krishna then replies to these questions one after other, and he said the uh, indestructible, uh, uh, transcendental. Uh, that which is indestructible and tra- transcendental is called Brahman. Uh, and uh, well, he said, Prabhupada trans- the indestructible transcendental living entity is called Brahman, but here they write it with a capital B. Uh, uh, but here it means the kind of nature of the living entities, because Prabhupada says in the Prabhupada, but beyond that there's Parabrahman. You know, so, uh, so that's the Adi part of that, uh, because his eternal nature is the self, adhyatma, and here it means the nature of the self. Now we'll see here and in the Bhagavatam, it's a more fluid uh, definition of the adhyatma, uh, uh, because self, as we mentioned before, is one of those words can refer to almost everything the body, the mind, the subtle body, uh, 
the, the, the soul, the super soul, every one of those can be denoted by the word atma, depending on context. So anyway, that's what he says, the nature of, of, of the living entity uh, is, the, the living entity is called Brahman, because it says, aham brahmasmi, I am Brahman, and his eternal nature is called the self. And then uh, he says the physical nature, uh, uh, which is constantly changing, is called adibhuta. Uh, the universal form of the Lord, uh, the purusha, here's that word is purusha. And again, we'll say the same thing. Purusha gets used that way also here. Uh, the universe, the purusha, which includes all the demigods, Prabhupada says, like the sun and the moon, is called the Aridaiva. That is the whole principle of the, the, the devas. And when they're unified into one thing, it's the Vishwa uh, Purusha, the universal soul. And then Krishna says he himself, the super soul, represented by the super soul in the heart, is the Adiyajna, the Lord of Sacrifice. So anyway, that's so you can see that because Arjuna asked these questions, what are they? That they're, they're already some, he was familiar with the terms, Krishna says they know them, so they're somehow involved in, the, in, in, in uh, as topics of spiritual discourse. So that, that's why uh, they get taken up here. So here they come up again. And there are the three underlying principles here uh, mentioned of prakriti. Uh, but you notice that, that this prakriti is, is pervaded by the Lord, <laughs> I'd say. Okay. So they, they, get taken, they get taken up uh, in, in, the, in, in the second canto where there's a process of creation uh, uh, takes place. Uh, first of all, in, in uh, two five nineteen, chapter, Canto two, chapter two is called "The Lord in the Heart," and here they they show up in an, uh, first with in the verse with a different kind of terminology, which is also part of it uh, in nineteen. And it says. Oh, sorry, the wrong chapter here. Excuse me. Two five nineteen. And two five nineteen uh, is described. Well, here I'll read the I'll read eighteen. The supreme Lord is pure spiritual form, transcendental all material qualities. Yet for the sake of the creation of the material world and its maintenance and annihilation, he accepts through his external energy the material modes of nature called goodness, passion, and ignorance. And then, uh, 19 it says, uh, these three modes of material nature being further manifest as matter, knowledge, and activities, 
but the eternal transcendental living entity under conditions of cause and effect and makes him responsible for such activities. Uh, so what it, what it says, uh, when it says matter, knowledge, and activities is drovya, jnana, uh, and kriya. These three words are there. Uh, so when Prabhupada comes to explain them, he says, uh, by the covering power of the material energy, the material scientist cannot look beyond the material causes. And there is the problem of material science. They can't look beyond them. But factually, behind the material manifestations, Prabhupada uses this word behind, uh, there are adibhuta, adhyatma, and adidaiva actions, which the conditioned soul, in the mode of ignorance, cannot see. So this is the underlying principle of prakriti, these three, this adibhuta, adhyatma, and adidaiva, uh, which is another way of, uh, uh, of talking about uh, these these uh, drovya, which means material, matter, jnana, knowledge, which, which is ultimately the, uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, adidaiva, adibhuta is the matter, jnana is the adidaiva, and, uh, and activities... Uh, is uh, the Atma. Uh, but that will become clear a little later on. This is what he says here. There, actually beyond the material activities, there are Adibhuta, Adiyatma, and Adidaiva actions, which the conditioned soul in the mode of ignorance cannot see. The Adibhuta uh, manifestations entail... In, in Repetitions of birth and death with old age and disease, because that's your gross body. Uh, that's gross matter, is adibhuta. Uh, and, uh, and the adhyatma manifestation conditions the spirit soul. It gives you your particular uh, senses of knowledge, an activity that you call yourself. So it's adhyatma. It's really the self is the, when I say myself, normally we refer to that part of material nature with which I am the most direct contact. Uh, my hand is a piece of material nature. And if I want to move my hand, it just moves like magic. I say, I get the idea, I want to move my hand, and it goes. Uh, uh, I, here, here's a pen. I want to move my pen. It doesn't move. I'm not connected in the same way I'm con- with this piece of material nature, that pe- the pen, as I am with my hand. I, this way, I, I, you know, indirectly I can move it, sort of, but, but with this part of material nature, I can just do it without any inter- intermediary action. So, anyway... So that, that's what means something is your body. It's that part of material nature to which you have the most direct access. So that's, the, uh, that's yourself. Therefore, you call it yourself. 
wrongly as it turns out, <laughs> but in conventional language, I say I hurt myself even though I know I'm not the body. Right? Okay, so the, that's what he says. The adiatma manifestation conditions the spiritual because these are the categories of property. So it's used a little differently than the way it's described in the Bhagavad Gita here. But it's, the Bhagavad Gita is not wrong, it's just another... Uh, and the Adidaiva manifestation is the controlling system, the system of the devas. Uh, and in this, uh, here and elsewhere in the second canto, we discover how these three work together to make things happen. Right? So now, if we go on in this, in, in, in chapter 5, uh, of, of Canto 2. Um, um, here uh, we'll start with text 23. Now the, here is, is being described the, the process of creation. So it's 22 says, after the incarnation of the first Purusha, Karanaranavishayi Vishnu, or, 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 lying on the causal ocean, Mahavishnu we call him, uh, after the incarnation of the first Purusha, the Mahatattva, or principle of material creation, takes place. And then time is manifest, manifested, and in course of time, the three qualities appears, the three gunas. They manifest within the Mahatattva. Nature means the three qualitative uh, appearances. They transform into activities. And then, uh, material activities are caused by the Mahatattvas being agitated. At first, there is a transformation of the mode of goodness and passion. And later, due to the mode of ignorance, matter, its knowledge, and different activities of material knowledge come into play. That's where this Dhrovya, Jnana, and Kriya come back in again. Dhrovya being matter, Jnana, material knowledge here and kriya, uh, actions, again, material in, in this way. And Prabhupada says in the purport to uh, 2.5.23, he says, he, he's talking about, um, uh, of course, it's illustrated that this is the part of the universe that conditioned souls can't see. There's the limitation of material science. They cannot penetrate to the, the... Although we're describing matter, they cannot penetrate to this level of action. Because after all, the material world includes devas. That's how it's working. What material science? You mention a deva, and they say oh, that's mythology. Anyway, so Prabhupada says here, That, that he's mentioning that with, with, with Kali Yuga, ignorance increases uh, and different modes come into play. And he says that in Kali Yuga, things are really bad because the mode of passion and then ignorance become prominent. Then he says, by a slight cultivation of the mode of goodness, a glimpse of spiritual nature is perceived. So if you want to know why nobody understands spiritual nature, why most people don't understand it and don't, don't 
have no relationship to it because there's not even a slight cultivation of mode of goodness. You go to college to get a good job. You learn technical knowledge. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're uh, uh, just a, a material worker. Uh, some, you know, because it's computer technology instead of making shoes doesn't make it any less material. Anyway, therefore, one cannot transcend the limits of the material modes, and therefore, realization of the Lord who is always transcendental to the modes of material nature, becomes very difficult for the living entity, even though prominently situated in the mode of goodness through cultivation of the various methods. Because you have to even go beyond the mode of goodness. Mode of goodness is like the portal. But you'll stay on the portal, looking into transcendence and seeing there's something big out there and wonderful and marvelous, and I got a feeling of this eternity, knowledge and bliss, but I can't see anything because I'm still looking into transcendence with material eyes, even though the, the mode of goodness. I draw a blank. And I describe the blank I draw as nothingness, the divine nothingness, you know, even though I'm really reporting on my own blindness. And so then Prabhupada says, I'm just continuing exactly from the last sentence. In other words, the gross matters are adibhutam, their maintenance is adidaivam. And the initiator of material activities is called adiatman. Uh, uh, in the material world, these three principles act as prominent features, namely raw materials, that's adibhutam, its regular supplies, adidaivam, and its use in different varieties of material creation for sense enjoyment by the bewildered uh, entities, that's the adibhutam. So there's, so this is a way of looking at the material world, but it's jnana chakshusha, you see through the eyes of knowledge, or shastra chakshusha, the eyes of scripture. Uh, uh, so it's a different kind of material knowledge. So this is our guide for research. Then Prabhupada goes on to say, in, in the next, uh, next uh, verse, uh, 24, uh, uh, Krishna says, um, uh, maybe I think Brahma is speaking to Narada, the self-centered materialistic ego, thus being transformed into three feature, features. So you see, so you have this this uh, ahankara, and then it's transformed into these three features. Uh, and here they're called vaikarika, which refers to the mode of goodness, kaijasa, the mode of passion, and tamasaha, the mode of ignorance. It becomes known as the modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance in three divi divisions, namely the Powers that evolve matter. Uh, that's the drovya shakti. The intelligence that guides the knowledge of material creations, that's jnana shakti. And the intelligence that guides uh, such uh, matters, uh, that's jnana shakti. Uh, so drovya shakti, powers that evolve matter. Here is shakti as power, so that involves matter. 
Kriya Shakti, the initiation that creates in Jnana Shakti the intelligence that guides. So the, in, in the purport, Prabhupada's talking about the, the need to uh, purify materialistic senses by devotional service. He says, the mode of goodness or the Brahminical culture recommended in the Vedic literatures is helpful to such spiritual realization and thus the jnana shakti stage of the conditioned soul is com- uh, comparatively better than the other two stages, namely drovya shakti and kriya shakti. So he uses them that way too. The whole materialistic civilization is manifested by a huge accumulation of materials, or in other words, raw material for industrial purposes, that's drovya shakti, as ours manifests very grossly, the industrial enterprises, Kriya Shakti, are all due to gross ignorance of spiritual life. So you see these principles even working on a gross level. In order to rectify this great anomaly of material civilization based on the principles of Drovi Shakti and Kriya Shakti, one has to adopt the process of devotional service by following the principles of Karma Yoga and he mentions then Bhagavad Gita 9.27, all that you do, all that you eat, all that you offer and give, it away, give away. Uh, so this is, this is how, how Prabhupada uh, discusses it, uh, it, 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 it here. And then uh, uh, with uh, uh, text 25, it then goes on to start to uh, talk about the, the evolution of the material elements one after the other. Uh, and if you have this chart that we've handed out before, uh, uh, which the process of cre- uh, creation shows, shows this, this false ego is there, and then uh, false ego in the, these terms are used, Jnana Shakti, Kriya Shakti, Dravya Shakti, uh, Vaikarika, Rajasas, Tamasa, uh, the, the, all these terms are there when the when the when the pradana energized by the time element becomes mahatattva uh, and then is transformed into false ego and then that false ego is manifest into various aspects of goodness passion and ignorance and then everything then evolves uh, further further on from uh, from there so then uh, Later in the second canto, this this subject returns. Uh, This is in the chapter 10, which is called Bhagavatam is the answer to all questions. Uh, And it's also describing uh, uh, the Lord as the source of the cosmic manifestation. He is the ashraya param of the whole of which all material things have taken shelter. So again, is that, is, is that view of the seeing the world as it is actually is, which is related to Krishna, or to Supersoul at least. So in the process of that, uh, this terminology is again introduced. Uh, the individual person possessing different instruments of sense is called the adhyatmic person. Uh, the adhyatmika 
Purusha. This Purusha is called this. So there's different three different Purushas, uh, as it's described here. The individual person producing different instruments of senses is called the adiatmic person. That's us with our bodies. Uh-huh. And the individual controlling deity of the senses is called adidaivik. Uh-huh. Because we have our body with our senses. We think we run them, but we don't. We don't run them at all. Because how do you do it? You look over here and you see something in your eyes, they look what I can see. How did you do that? You have no idea. Uh, uh, and the embodiment seen on the, on the eyeballs, uh, the, the sense objects that are presented to you, uh, uh, are uh, the adibaltic uh, uh, person. So Prabhupada explains this. It's interesting, he says, all the controlling deities... So these are the controlling deities of the material world. Uh, like Vishnu, Brahma, Shiva are different manifestations of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, Krishna, who exhibits himself in such manners by entering to each and every universe generated from him. So this is how Krishna enters into the universe. We, we, get, we have a little more map of the way he gets in and does things. Uh, So he says, Prabhupada says, but still apparently, each and every universe, uh, there are divisions of the controller and controlled. For example, in the food controlling department, the controller of food is a person made of the same ingredients as the person who is controlled, that is to say the demigods. They're also material. Uh, So he goes on like this. For example, then he says, each and every individual in the material world is controlled by the higher demigods. For example, we have our senses, but the senses are controlled by superior controlling deities. And this comes up in the next verses in, the, in the, this chapter in the 11th canto again. Uh, uh, we cannot see without light. And the supreme controller of light is the sun. The sun god is in the sun planet. And we, the human, individual human beings and, or any other beings on this earth, are controlled by the sun god as far as our eyes are concerned. Similarly, all the senses we have are controlled by superior, the superior demigods who are also as much living entities as we are. But one is empowered while the other is controlled. The controlled living entity is called the adiatmic person. We are the one in possession of the senses, our our knowledge-gathering senses uh, and our instruments of action. And also what's very intimately connected to those is buddhi is the, the part of the subtle body that actually uh, governs those uh, two senses. All these positions in the material world are due to different fruitive activities and even the, the, the demigods. 
Then he goes on to say, that which distinguishes the controller and controlled, that is, the material body, is called the adibautic purusha. And then he says, the body is sometimes called purusha. <laughs> That's confirmed in the Vedas and the following hymns, Savai, Esha, Purusho, Ana, Ramas, Rasamaya. This body is called the Anarasa embodiment. The body depends upon food. So there's a... Uh, so then uh, he, go, he goes on, the Bhagavatam goes on in Canto 2, Chapter 10. All three of these above-mentioned stages of different living entities are interdependent. In the absence of one, another is not understood. But the Supreme Being, who sees every one of them as the shelter of the shelter, is independent of all, and therefore the Supreme Being who sees every one of them in his capacity as the shelter of the shelter. Ashraya, ashraya. Right. Uh, is independent of all and therefore he is the supreme shelter. Ashraya, ashraya. So ashraya. And he's his own shelter of himself. So there, uh, this, is, this is discussed here in this. And there's more in this chapter. Uh, and we're running out of time already. Um, wow, I don't want to... Well, let me just keep going for a little bit. Um, in 10, when we come to, 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 to 13, is describing creation. The Lord, while lying on his bed of mystic slumber, generated the seminal symbol, golden in hue, through the external energy out of his desire to manifest varieties of living beings from himself. He says, Just hear from me how the potency of his lordship divides one into three, called the controlling entities, the controlled entities, and the material body. Adidaivam, Adiyatman, Adibhutam. So here, again, they're uh, used in this way. Uh, uh, and then it describes uh, uh, the, the creation. Uh, uh, and then it says, the living force, I'm reading from 17 now, being agitated by the virat purusha, here's another purusha, your material body of the purusha, so the virat purusha, the universal form. Prabhupada uses this term in the verse translation. The Sanskrit just has vibhu, vibhu meaning the great. In the name of Krishna is vibhu. Prabhupada had disciples once. The husband was named vibhu, the great, and the wife was named anu, the tiny. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of cute, huh? Uh, the living force being agitated by the virat purusha generated hunger and thirst when he, and when he desired to drink and eat, the mouth opened. This is describing the embryology of the universe. That's why I say for our research in the cosmology project, we have to have this, this, this biocosmology. And here's the, so Prabhupada says this, the process by which all, all living beings in the womb of the mother develop their sense organs and sense perceptions appears to follow the same principles in the case of the Virat Purusha. 
Because, because the, the universe is called, you know, Garba. Garba Dakshai Vishnu. Garba means womb. So the Purusha develops from it. Anyway. Uh, so the same principle in the case of Vira Purusha, the sum total of all living entities. So that's what it is. It's the sum total. Uh, then it goes on. Uh, from the mouth of this Virat Purush, the palate, you know, the roof of your mouth, became manifest. I think it was a lower palate too. Uh, and thereupon the tongue was also generated. And after this, all the different tastes came into existence so the tongue can relish them. So Prabhupada explains, this gradual process of evolution suggests the explanation of the controlling deities, Adidaiva, because Varuna is the controlling deity for all relishable juices. Therefore, the mouth becomes the resting place for the tongue, which tastes all the different juices, of which the controlling deity is Varuna. This suggests, therefore, that Varuna was also generated along with the development of the tongue. So the tongue, which is the, which is the, the uh, Adiyatma, and then there's the uh, Aridaiva, the, the deity that controls taste, and then there's the flavors that you taste, that's the Adibautic. Uh, and the tongue itself is made of matter, so the tongue and the palate being instrumental are Adibutum, or forms of, forms of matter. But their functioning deity, who is a living entity, is Adidaiva, whereas the person undergoing the function is the Adiyatma. Thus, the three categories are explained as to their birth after the opening of the mouth of the Virat Purusha. The four principles mentioned in this verse serve to explain the three main principles, namely the Adiyatma, Adidaiva, and Adibhutam. The fourth principle is the Virat Purusha. So those three and then the fourth. So that's how they're all located together. Uh, in, 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 in this way, so that 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 that's that's the back the background that that we have, uh, um, and in this chapter, uh, we will see uh, uh, in the Bhagavatam, this chapter we just read, the various reference of Purusha. Purusha is the body. Purusha is the living entity. Purusha is the demigod. Purusha is the universal form. Purusha is the super soul. Purusha is the supreme personality of God. And all these things are different references. So you have to keep a kind of reference of Purusha. You have to keep it kind of keep keep it kind of straight. So therefore, when when these show up in text thirty, uh, they're well known terms. They've been discussed already in the Bhagavatam. They even show up in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, when Arjuna asked, uh, what are they? Because apparently, you know, they're, they're important to understand these things. There's Adibhuta, Adidaiva. And now, which we run out of time, uh, with text 31, uh, they go on to explain this again. So you have a little background on it. Uh, and I guess we'll have to stop now for, for any questions or comments. Just remembering that the discussion goes on about these these three. So this is Krishna's explanation uh, here to uh, to his very advanced disciple 
Uddhava of how the how property works, uh, and this is kind of the uh, system that is not available for perception by conditioned souls, who at the best will have an intuition of transcendence. They're somewhat in the mode of goodness, but they can't get there from here. It's just an intuition. And then if they know there's something out there, it's big, it's wonderful, it's great, they got a different their sense of some transcendence, then they become Buddhists or Mayavadas, which is both a report on that which you cannot speak. But it's that, it's there, but you can't talk about it. So let me stop there. Uh, anyway, sorry that that was uh, wasn't really a detour. You should be familiar with these these discussions in the second canto. And I just wanted to show you that because these terms are in the Bhagavad Gita and defined by Krishna there also, uh, that they're that they're you know Bhagavad Gita kind of mentions the really important things uh, and. Uh, uh, and so they 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 they're mentioned there, uh, and uh, Bhagavad Gita is is the as Prabhupada explains where the Bhagavad Gita ends, uh, Bhagavatam begins. It's kind of an introduction to Bhagavatam. So that's what's there. So now let me let me uh, uh, take this and phone, and we'll go to the Q and A. So that those those who are on the conference call can uh, uh, can uh, press star six and be heard, and those who are uh, following along in Ustream can uh, uh, text in the question and uh, or comment in the chat forum. Make sure my volume is up all the way. Okay. Anybody? I hope we're not totally speechless by then. Is Dinesh at does property impel the soul to perform actions based on the past impressions from past life? Does property impel the soul? Yeah, well, in a way it does. It impels the soul from, from past impressions, from your past life. That, that, first of all, it's carried over. Because when you're born, uh, you have a, already have a mind. And that mind has come with you. You've got a new gross body, apparently formed on the basis of what's already in the subtle body. But the subtle body is carried with you. And uh, we don't know what's there. Both the subtle body meaning both the mind and the buddhi, and of course the ahankara, uh, that, that that comes with you uh, and forms a new appropriate body according to what's there. But all that takes place in the, in the, under the guidance of the controlling system, uh, the, the adhidaivaka, and ultimately the, 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 the super soul. Uh, so this is this 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 is so things go on. 
it should be obvious to everybody uh, who ever has had a child that that little baby from the moment it's born has got a personality and has got proclivities and tendencies and that they're, they're all different from each other and, they're, 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 and that has been shaped by past experience. It's just so, so obvious that they're like, otherwise nobody can explain why they're like that. But that's 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 why. So this is this is what happens. Uh, you asked two more questions. Um, what are the limits of soul to take control over the properties, impulses, despite the soul's sincere endeavors? And is there concession in the punishment for the soul if he endeavors to tolerate the impulses? Okay, so let me go back. The first question, say again, is what? What are the limits of, of the soul to take control over the property's impulses despite the soul's sincere endeavors? What are the limits? Limits? Uh, the, the, the limits of the soul? Well, first of all, there's a history. Uh, and one of the problems that limits the soul to take control over the impulses that arise from the material body uh, are sometimes based on the past. Uh, it's a habits. If you have good habits and bad habits, uh, that will make a difference. A habit means it's, when you have a habit, it's, it's in the mind, you don't have to think about it. You just have a habit. Uh, uh, and so if you have good habits, it makes it easier. If you don't have good habits, it makes it harder. Um, and, and, and so that's important. And, and uh, so some, you know, tendency of a good habit means a, a, a kind of a discipline to allow you to do things. Um, that, that's, that's what does that. Uh, and the other, of course, is, is just uh, practice. Uh, if, if, if you, you, you try to do something that's, that's a spiritual activity, uh, you fail, you slide back down, the thing to do is to get up again and keep going. Uh, and don't, don't get discouraged. Uh, and of course, the other thing that makes for success in this endeavor is developing a, 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 a sincere desire uh, taking the help that's available and asking Krishna to provide more help. Uh, because if we sincerely want more help, he'll make arrangements, give us proper association, change our circumstances, uh, help us. It's, it, it's a fact in Krishna consciousness if we're sincerely desiring to make advancement in Krishna consciousness. That's we really want to. I may be have all kinds of things hanging on to me. And after all, we're born with garbage. Um, what the Christians call original sin. Uh, it's there from as far back as you can go. We're in the material world to begin with, and deeply rooted, there's some antipathy or animosities or indifference to the Supreme Lord at the basis of it all. And, you, and in a sense, when you start to clear up the garbage, it gets worse because you find out how much is there and how deep-rooted it is and how far down it goes. And, 
and then you become ashamed, and then you actually, we're lucky, you become humble, which is really good to be humble. Uh, uh, and, uh, and humble means, yeah, I accept that I'm a fallen soul that I've turned away from Krishna. And you, in a sense, you realize your own incapacity, and because of that humility, you again depend more upon Krishna and Krishna's agents uh, for their help. That's what, that's what happens. So because the process of advancement in Krishna consciousness is the process of becoming humble. It's just the opposite of the material world. That is the path of pride, where you puff yourself up and don't look at your own limitations, pretend they're not there, make excuses for them, and blame other people for them what you do wrong. That's the path of pride. You make other people scapegoats and you just get more and more puffed up. You have your God project. Uh, but Krishna consciousness is the opposite path. It's the path of humility. And as the false ego becomes emptied out, that space is filled actually with, with, uh, with Krishna, with Supersoul and the activity of the Supersoul. So we take it seriously. We take this idea, dasa, dasi, servant. They mean literally slave. Nobody wants that position in the material world. But the spiritual world, yeah, we're, we're Krishna's uh, uh, servants. Yeah. Abject, complete, sold out, 100%. Yeah. And just the opposite. And unfortunately, sometimes people join a spiritual organization, and not just I'm not just talking about ISKCON, the Roman Catholic Church, and all this other stuff, and it's just like it's a, a corporation, and you want the next highest position, the next highest position, the next highest position, and so on. And then if you get it, you become proud. If you don't get it, you become bitter and angry at the at people that have it because you're envious of them because you want it for yourself. And, you know, you get, you get the whole... Uh, unpleasant dynamic uh, that, that we see all the time. Even though it's a spiritual organization, sometimes this happens. Sorry about that. <laughs> Anything else? Okay, the next verse we'll take up again uh, with this describing uh, what we've already been hearing about, the relationship between the Adiyatma, Adivita, and Adidaiva. So don't forget what we've just gone through. And I also gave you the verse number so you can go back and read it yourself. Uh, you might find it very interesting if you haven't read those parts of the Bhagavatam or have read them a long time ago and if you if you read if the last time you read something is more than say a year ago, uh, and you read it again, you'll find out that you missed a lot the other time, uh, uh, because you know, things will become more and more revealed as time goes on. So, so for these books are the kinds of ones you could keep on rereading. Okay, thank you very much.
Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai, Shri Mad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.